Stokes here. Walks across the dead ball line. Now sprints back for Manly. Up he goes. Changes direction. This is rugby league, folks. Have a look at it. Links up with Cherry Evans. And still on for Manley. Away from Hess. Kicks in field. Look who's there. Tom. I'm happy with that. Chase there. My goodness. Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Williams. We're back for... What it'll be around about episode four of the 2022 Supercoach preseason. Excited to get stuck into things once again as the preseason heats up. We've got a weekend of trials under our belt. Gee, it makes things so much easier to talk about and look into. We've got a bit more of an idea about tri- uh, teams for round one, how things are starting to shape up. Very exciting times. Here to help us out and chat about this tonight is the 2019 Supercoach runner-up, Walson Carlos. Walson, how are you, mate? Very good, Timmy. Excited for a chat with you on the spot tonight. Good to have you on, mate. And as you said, the man you alluded to there, also on the show, fresh off a 91st place overall finish last season. He's still riding the high of it. He'll be doing it for many years to come if he doesn't better it. Uh, it is the Supercoach Spy. Spy, how are you? G'day, boys. Yeah, a little bit crook, actually. been crook for the week, so uh, potentially this becomes known as the flu pod. Uh, which is <laughs> uh, but no, I'm all right. Just battling through and uh, sure I'll be fine by the weekend, boys. Uh, tell me that wasn't a reference to the flu game of Michael Jordan. Uh, everything's MJ, you know it. <laughs> uh, boys, on today's show, we are going to start off with a trial recap. So a little insight for the listeners. Walsh actually watched every game of the weekend through virtual reality goggles, ignored his family for four days to make sure he got the best vision, uh, the best effects of the trials. You won't get a better recap of it from Walsh. He's already done it in an article, but we can hear the great man speak about it. Club previews continue. The Seagulls, the Eels, the Tigers. We promise we'll get through all three of them tonight and not drag on for too long. Uh, throwing in a few questions from social this week. Guys, I started up a new podcast yesterday with the rugby league guru, Good fella, good footy mind, loves his super coach. Not as much as I do, though. And the best thing about it is he hosts it, so I get to gibber on and just answer questions. Uh, live from the bloke in a bar studio. Very lucky to be inside there as well. So if you wanted to jump on there, and uh, you probably don't, but listen to a little bit more of what I might have to say as opposed to hosting things and shooting to the spy, uh, jump on and have to listen to that podcast on the SC Playbook channels as well. Fellas, let's get stuck straight into it. And whilst we're going to start with you with your trial recap, mate, uh, if we wanted you to go game by game, we'd be here for about four days. We don't need that. But we do want you to go through the key Supercoach points of interest that you found from the weekend. A few understrength sides, a few sides threw out some stronger teams. Mate, what were your, your key points you found from the weekend? Yeah, I've, I've gone through pretty much every game. Um, I think it was every game for the last two weeks. There was two games uh, a couple of weeks ago where the Broncos played like a reserve grade side, the Winter Manly Seagulls, and then the obviously the All-Stars game. So if people want to have sort of a look at it, it's fairly comprehensive and it covers off on how most of the Supercoach relevant players went. So get onto um, the SC Playbook uh, website um, for sure and have a read of it. But, you know, I, like everyone, uh, I, I was impressed by Fafita's first hit out. It was a typical day of Fafita. It was like... In one play, he had just an unbelievable scoring output. Then, you know, um, in the same game, he got injured and didn't play out the, you know, didn't play out the game. So it was sort of the same thing we dealt with last year. But I think Fafita probably locked himself into my side if he can come through and his ribs are fine after cop- copping a bit of a bone rattler there from uh, Rapana. 
The other take that I got was um, Nakora, the, the second row. I thought he was really good. And um, I was I was sort of warming towards him because I thought he'd play on the right edge outside Trindle. But um, Trindle was probably the, one of the one of the main people of the whole trials because I watched him play in the uh, All-Stars trial for Indigenous All-Stars and I thought this place definitely starting and, you know, they're going to find a 14 role for Moylan or something like that. And then I watched him the next week. I was actually a bit surprised that he got put out the next week for Cronulla and, um, oh, he stunk it up big time, boys, and then ended up getting himself rubbed out for two weeks anyway with, with judiciary. So he made the decision for um, Fitzgibbon. And I think the decision might have been close to already made. It was pretty strange that he was actually playing in that game. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Cody Nicarima looked pretty sharp, but he, you know it's, he's a bit hard to trust, and it's hard to know whether he'll get a start. Um, oh, the Canberra forwards! I was pretty impressed with a couple of Canberra forwards over the two weeks. I mean, Tapanay, he was obviously player of the match, I think, for the Maori All Stars, and then Horsberg, your boy Timmy, mm. just uh, absolutely killed it. He's got the offloads, and he's got that super coach friendly game, and. But my biggest query over the Canberra boys is, like, there's just so many – there's only so many minutes that can go around and there's so many players in that forward pack clamouring for minutes. So you might be able to give us a bit of an insight before I go on with yeah, the Yeah, well, mate, like, it, it doesn't it doesn't take insight at the Raiders to see how many back rolls they've got there. And we've spoken about it when we covered the Raiders a few weeks back, but you throw Josh Hodgson in the mix there now who's probably playing – you know, anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes at lock. Uh, there's just a back row log jam, which I know uh, Big Red's up front for the Raiders, but there are just too many options there. And, mate, another bloke I think you're probably going to speak about in a minute, the two guys I think have really um, super coach scoring conducive games about them. One of them's Corey Horsburgh, who was really good for me two years ago. I was a bit of a pot early on before getting injured. And the other one is Tommy Flegler. Mate, they're blokes with big work rate. They don't stop. They get through huge amounts of work. But most importantly for Supercoach, they've got great offloads. Unfortunately, Big Red has that uh, the depth of the Raiders in their pack, so he's hard to come by. And Tommy Flegler's out the first few rounds. But, mate, there's good Supercoach players in there. Oh, 100% to me. And I don't think I've ever seen a season where there's so many options, like live options that are out, suspended in the first couple of rounds. Like, I mean... Like just, I've looked at a few blokes and gone, I just can't possibly start with the side that I want to because there's too many of them out. Like Matt Lodge looks outstanding like when he played for the Warriors, albeit that Melbourne didn't play their top-line pack. So you have to temper it a little bit there. But like both um, Fenor Blake and Matt Lodge looked really good. I thought Penne looked real good for the Warriors as well. But yeah, like you said in the Broncos, Flegler, I mean, he's pretty well priced and like um, it perked my interest in your last podcast what the um the injury the nrl physio said about it you know like um he spoke about how he expects him to have a bit of a bounce back year after um having a tough injury but yeah on to a few other trials i mean the seagulls before you move on one thing Mm. uh, we often get questions about what we look for in trials from a super coach perspective Probably one of the ones that isn't so obvious, uh, you know, fitness is the big one for people, or injured players looking back to the best or whatever. It's 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 their willingness to offload. We know how important that is in Supercoach. And you look at guys like David Clemmer, Christian Welch, who when offloading can be some of the best front row forward options in the game. 
But when they're not offloading, they just go back to middling in the pack, don't they, with a bunch of other mid-range options. Corey Horsburgh and and Tommy Flegler, they were looking to offload, which to me just suggests, I know they're trials and you don't look too much into it, but they've been given that license a little bit, haven't they? Yeah, it's whether they've got the license is a big thing to me, like whether the coaches allowing them to do it, you know, because I've seen times where there's been blokes that are almost compulsive offloaders and the coaches just said put it away, and they have, and their super coach scoring suffered from it. So, yeah, no, you're not wrong. But, um, yeah, on on the Seagulls-Tigers game, I thought the two big takings I got out of that were Manly. Oh, I just think they're just going to continue on. Mm. Um, you know, Turbo... And DCE looked really, really good. And the Tigers, I think they might struggle this year. But, um, yeah, I thought Ola Kawatu, he didn't post a really great supercoach score from the game, but he's certainly like a left-field option as a pod for second row because, I mean, they look like an attacking juggernaut, manly. Um, so, you know, it sort of made me question, you know, that, that automatic decision of leaving Turbo out. Um, I'm rethinking that again. I don't know what you boys thought after Massive. watching yeah, yeah, he was huge. Like he just and he, he that like you're basing it on half a game, but he just um, he just dominated, you know. So and albeit was the Tigers and they had a few out, but they didn't have too many out. But um, yeah, and like we speak we speak about the suspended players, Timmy, like and Spy, um, Munster, Grant, Brandon Smith, all look fit, look dangerous. None of them are playing round one, so um, yeah, it's 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 a tough one for uh, super coaches there. Um, Cowboys Rabbitohs, you can forget about that game because no one went round of uh, of any importance. Broncos Titans, um, yeah, I think that one was you know both teams have pretty questionable spines. I, I guess the biggest point of interest is who's going to play six with the Brisbane Broncos. Mm. I think it's probably Billy Walters. Um, position to lose at this stage, but because all of the sixes that played last week against the Titans really stunk it up. Um, the the hooker position is interesting to me because Corey Pakes has had two really good trials, and we haven't seen um, any of the first class hookers. So yeah, it's um, it's interesting. Your thoughts on that, Spot? Mate, just quickly back to Turbo. Uh... Agree, he's he's going to do damage to any side that's not going to defend him well. But as you said, it was the Tigers team in a trial with well, they had five or six guys out. They had a young bike playing in the centres, I think Junior Poanga. So Turbo did what you'd, what you'd expect. Uh, the question around Turbo is entirely on how does he go against Penrith and the Roosters weeks one and two. If he if they played anyone else, I'd probably just pick him. But can he score enough to ensure he doesn't have a bulk price drop come round three? That's my only really Real massive query. Yeah, it's a real it's a real gamble for people. But I guess like if you're going to take him, you probably take him for the long term, and you put up with the maybe a bit of a price drop, and then you know if, if there is even a price drop, and then um, yeah, like you pick it up from there. But um, whilst one for me that stood out, which was a great thing for Supercoach purposes, and it was a guy I think we had our, locked in our teams already again in a pretty weak and try, but Isaac Targo, mate, at centre, that left centre spot. We know how good it is for point scoring in Supercoach, the left centre role at Penrith with those blokes around him. Uh, strong, good offload on him, quality footballer. Yeah, 100% Timmy. Yeah, that was actually my next one, so thanks for that segue into that. But, yeah, look, the, the Sharks versus the Panthers, 
Um, yeah, I thought Sean O'Sullivan looked better than what he was at the Warriors, so he'll be a solid backup for Cleary or Luai if they're out. Like you said, Isaac Targo, they've, they've got young blokes coming out of their ears. Young Mark Guy's son was yeah. pretty impressive too, and, you know, that was good to see, you know, fans of that. But, yeah, my other main point from that was, yeah, Braden Trindle, he went from the penthouse to the, you know what, uh, in the space of a week, he just had an absolute shocker in defence. and Which has been um, made for so many reasons because it, it, it's going to impact Nico Hines' game because playing along, alongside Matty Moylan, who's uh, I, I rave on about, well, I don't rave on, I go on about having two five eights in team and how I don't like it, it's probably going to force Nico into just slightly more of an organising role, which I don't think will probably help his game. Um well, it'll probably, I mean, I'm thinking off the top of my head here, it probably means that Nico Hines would kick goals if Braden Trindle isn't in the team, which is massive. Yep. Uh, we're looking at that, it brings Britton Nakora into the equation because he's running a different line off it, or same line, different player feeding him, but it also brings in, you know, combinations, all these sorts of things. Mate, it's pretty pretty significant for Supercoach purposes. Yeah, I'm very interested to see how the Sharks line up because... Moylan sort of strikes me. He can play play both sides of the field, and I, I think he ends up on the right side and um, Nico Hines. But if you look at Nico Hines, a lot of his touches, I think, yeah, like where he touches the best is out wider. So he's probably going to be wanting to get in, get in the two pass from Moylan, and that's not something that we we sort of really – I mean, Moylan hasn't played for a lot of years, let's be honest. I mean, he's been, he's been injured for that long. But, I mean, if we've seen him out there, it's more as a running player. So, Mate, like you said, it's yeah. going to be – yeah, if I would yeah. love to see him in that Cody Walker role at the the Bunnies when he was playing outside Adam Reynolds. As you said, he looks so good when he's sweeping um, left and right, both sides of the ruck. You know, as a fullback, well, not effectively as a fullback, when he was at fullback last year, you can do mm. that in the halves as a 5'8", but you have to have the right half next to you. And is Matt Moylan that half to run the show from the middle of the field? No, because he plays the same role. Uh, that's yeah. my query. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and like... You, you would imagine out of those two that, that Nico Hines will have most of the general play kicking. So I think your concerns are really valid and it may affect his super coach scoring output. I'm going to stay away from Nico Hines at this stage. I, I think he'll score well. I just don't think he'll score up to what his value is. So uh, the Eels and the Dragons, boys, jeez, um, Reed Marnie. Oh, yeah. he looks so sharp. Oh, he, he was in my team after the first half, just his scheming around like – the same way he started last year, we tend to forget how well he started last year and then he got that injury. But I'm a little bit wary of the presence of Mitch Rain there. So um, the other one that was really, really impressive, and I don't even know if he's eligible to play because they said he was a development player, was that young Jaden Hunt. Uh, yeah. He'll be playing he, Yeah, he'll be playing NRL in no time because in attack no, and I don't, defense, I don't, particularly yeah. Yeah. Uh, two things there. Firstly, I'm, yeah. I don't think I'm going out on, on a limb by saying if Reid Marnie's fit to go after his injury last year, he's an 80-minute man and Mitch Rain would not worry me one iota because uh, Marnie, okay. no knock on Mitch Rain, Marnie's just a significantly better footballer because he's oh, a I think, footballer I think he, in general. Yeah, I think he yeah. is, Timmy. I just, I just wonder whether two things – there's two things I was thinking. Like maybe they're trying to minimise his chance of getting injured because he play he's played a lot of minutes over a long period of time. So they might try and do yep. something different. And also the other one is he's leaving. So maybe they're looking a little bit to the future. Let's yeah. get Rain in, see if he's our next dummy half. And you you know as well as I do, if you're putting Reed Marnie into your super coach side, you want him to play 
oh, at least 70 minutes, you know, probably 80 minutes because he's going to get the tackle count up. He's going to get the try assists. If, um, and, like, we'll talk about, I think oh, we, we're talking about Parramatta a bit later, but their start to the season, oh, you know, like that, it, it looks outstanding. But, um, mm. yeah, I mean, I, I actually, I'm pretty high on the Dragons this year. Like, I thought the Dragons played a good trial. Um I'm interested in a few of their players. Not exactly. Well, um, Talatau Amon is obviously interesting for everyone because he looks like a value proposition. Um, Zach Lomax is one. He didn't play, but I think he might be in for a good bounce back, which I think the NRL physio was talking about last week. I think Talatau Amon will probably get the spot, but I, I think his um, his position's probably you know like he's pretty young and he's pretty raw and he does a few things wrong mm. in that game in the game against the Eels. It was a bit of a forgive for me because he didn't have a genuine half there. If you got Ben Hunt there, it takes a lot of pressure off him. So um, Sloan's the other one because you can pick up oh. Tyrell Sloan um, in the centre wing, I believe. So he's certainly one that I think a few super coaches will look at because. Um, just just for the fact, like they did play Cody Ramsey, they started the trial with Cody Ramsey there, but I can't see Cody Ramsey beating out Tyrell Sloan because he's just electric. Surely not. And, no, no, he, he's got a lot more to offer. So I think that will be that for that one. But uh, the Knights and the Bulldogs, I can't see either of those sides. Um, I know I, I, I've potted the Knights a bit, and that's not really my intention because I I do I do go for them a bit because of you know like, I like Callum Ponger and that, but. Um, I just can't see either of those sides missing, you know, like making the top eight at this stage. You know, maybe the Bulldogs could, but the Bulldogs have got some issues around their halves. I mean, there's going to be a, it's a bit like Nico Hines' situation. There's going to be a lot of pressure on Matt Burton. So I, if you're going to get one thing out of this year, you're going to tell how good a player Matt Burton and Nico Hines are, but Ooh, yeah. I wouldn't be going anywhere near him for Supercoach, you know, yeah, at the start of the year. Couldn't agree more, mate. Paul Alamoti, the young fellow, was a guy I had my eye on. Not so much as a super coach purchase, but just the raps coming on him. Caught out a few times in that game, as he's entitled to. He's just turned 18, I think. So uh, might oh, have man. to bite our time on a little bit on him. But he, big raps, but he, you know, at the end of the day, he's 18 years old and he was caught out a little bit there. Hey, yeah. Spy, mate, what did you make? Any any key takes from the trials that, that sort of changed your your maybe your team or your ideas heading into round one? Look, boys, not really. I did watch them. Uh, I'll, I think I'll possibly take more out of this week's trials when a few of the boys, a few of the bigger names are back across the board. Um, but we've got to remember that trials are just that. It's about getting the body in shape, getting combinations going. Um, I'm not going to read too much into it because uh, even roles you don't know because minutes-wise, a lot of the boys play the first half, then they have a spell for younger blokes. So, no, I sat pretty pretty um, and... Just have to wait, boys. I'm pretty happy with my side at the moment. And for me, it's probably more about round one team list than anything. Yeah. But as always, I'll keep an eye out. And everything well said is relevant. Uh, and it'll just sit in the back of the mind there uh, if, if there's a 50-50 decision to make uh, come round one. Yeah, Wells? Yeah, no, Spy's absolutely right. I mean, the biggest thing, we, you know, we're just doing a bit of posturing and there's a lot of people that I never, I don't like to change my team. I don't have many iterations of my team. So I really haven't looked at it since I first got the email and, you know, put together a bit of a side at the start. I really haven't done that much with it apart from look at different players, but I haven't changed it. So I know there's a lot of super coaches out there that change it a hundred times, but um, 
I, I don't like to do that because I jinx. I feel like I'm going to jinx myself. And one of the one of the first versions that I've changed from, it will be successful if that makes sense. So the only other two that I've mentioned, boys, um, that caught my eye a little bit that I, that really hadn't been on my radar were T- TPJ and um, Kurt Mann. Like Kurt Mann looked actually pretty good early on in that Knights um, Bulldogs trial playing at the 13, really strong in defence, good footwork, created a couple of tackle breaks. So um, I wasn't really considering him, and I'm still a bit sus on him because of O'Brien's um, coaching, but he might be one to watch for super coaches. Boys, just quickly after I said all that, Kurt Mann's actually my 5'8 after the weekend. So oh, is that right? Yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, just at the moment. And again, it'll depend on that role. I'd love him to play lock and then maybe a bit of hooker or something like that. But he could be, as you say, a value proposition at 5'8 just to tick those scores along before upgrading to, to your Munster or similar. Um, mm. I mean, he looked good, didn't he, Spot? He's a good player, and I don't really like him in the centres where he got stuck a bit last year. Get him in the middle, get his hands on the ball, and I think he'll do good things. Uh, and just on the Knights, just for Knights fans, had a quick look look while you're chatting. They're $2.25 to make the eight, and I think that's about right. I think they're every chance. So so don't get your head down when Miles gets off them. Uh, I think they'll be they'll be in amongst things around that eight to ten spot. So I thought well, I thought Spice, stay on the line afterwards. I'll give you two fifty, mate. You can have what you want on it. I thought <laughs> I thought well, I thought Spy was about to say, oh, you know, two twenty five to make the eight. I was just say that's massive overs, that's massive unders. Load up on whichever one was going to be. That's about right. I was like, oh, well, there goes my bet. Then we got excited about it out of nowhere. Yeah. No, nah, no bet. Just whilst it's got him pegged for the spoon. So I just want to give the, give yeah. the Knights fans a bit of hope. Yeah. <laughs> um, boys, yeah, I would just one last in touch on the trials. As we said, they're only trials. They give us an indication. We love to get hyped up. But one that took, caught my eye uh, with people getting maybe a bit too excited was Makahisi Makatoa at the Eels. Looked really good. A lot of hype around him from a Supercoach perspective. I think he's like maybe early to mid-300K and whatnot. Uh, I don't think, off the top of my head, Junior Paulo was in that. Um, there are a bunch of like key key forwards not in that team who you just – I just don't think the minutes will be there for him. Just one example. Anyway, he might start round one and prove us all wrong, but uh, just don't get too, too excited. Guys, if you're interested in the SC Playbook subscription package, $30 for the season for the NRL package. $40 for the NRL AFL Big Bash package. That gives you everything for the next 12 months. Access to stacks of extra articles each and every week. Access to our WhatsApp group alongside our contributors. We'll jump in, answer your questions as long as we can, uh, as often as we can. Uh, speak to the rest of the SC Playbook community, guys. If you are a subscriber and haven't messaged us yet, email us at supercoachplaybook, or one word, full word supercoach, at gmail.com with your number and name, and we'll get you into that group uh, if you have subscribed to the site. And also get your eligibility to win our major unlimited group prize. The code for our unlimited group, 511034. So jump into that. If you knew your AFL Supercoach, go and check out SC Playbook AFL as well. Boys, let's get stuck into our club analysis pieces for the night. And we'll start with the Manly Seagulls. A horrific run in the first two games of the season. Then it lightens up. Goes Penrith, Roosters, Bulldogs, Raiders, Knights. Makes Turbo an awkward prospect because those first two rounds at that price, you're thinking price drop, price drop, price drop. Uh, but then if he has a BE of 280 in round three for the dogs, he could double it and, and make money. Uh, guys, I don't want to dwell on Turbo because, well, we've just spoken about him briefly. In fact, I don't want to talk about Turbo at all. We've spoken about him every week. Whilst 
you've just given your sort of thoughts on this back in your frame a little bit. Spy, give us a quick briefing on Turbo because we're talking about the Seagulls and it'd be rude not to. Um, last time we spoke a couple of episodes back, there was no Tommy Trubojevic in your side at the price tag. Yeah, the short short answer is he's not in my side at the moment. If Pappenhausen, there's a rumour that he could miss round one. If he was injured, <clears> maybe I have a look at it. But to be honest, that Penrith matchup scares me. I really think he could potentially drop 200k. He may prove me wrong because he's an absolute machine. But if I get him 200k cheaper, it, it's a fair bit of money still. Uh, so I'm pretty happy to leave him out and chase someone else. But if Pappy's out, uh, it certainly opens up a question there, which I haven't fully considered yet, but uh, certainly will do down the line. While we're talking about Manly, before I forget, uh, if anyone's worried about the whereabouts of Desi Creek, he has produced an article for us this season, uh, but his Wi-Fi, he's moved houses, his Wi-Fi is into the abyss, and we cannot get him on because he can't sort his Wi-Fi out. He will be back, hopefully, before round one, so that he can give us the hottest takes of 2022, uh, but he isn't far away, Desi, and we'll get a little team reveal from him as well at some stage, I reckon. Hey, boys, well, uh, no, we'll go to the spy. Walsh has had enough to say already. We'll give the spy a bit of a crack at it. Uh, two blokes that are quite intriguing going into round one are Ruben Garaku. Off the top of my head, he nearly had to have had the, the highest centre wing average of all time last year. Maybe not if there was a fullback slot in there or something, but Rubes for round one, absolute top dollar. Jason Saab, 414K, a guy that... Uh, in my uh, article on site, I wasn't keen on at all. Then I did a bit more digging into it. Last season, when playing alongside Tom Trebojevic, he averaged 64 points per game. He's priced at a 47-point average. We know how good man, or we, we think we know how good man you're going to be this year. If he emulated that average, he'd rise to 560K. Throw a couple of tons in there, he's above 600K. The draw to start the year probably means not for round one. But, mate, I feel a bit ill saying this. It doesn't feel right, but... Mate, Saab, Saab in a few rounds' time, probably not for round one, and Ruben Garrick. What are your thoughts? I'll start with Garrick because he's a weapon. If you're on that left edge outside Tommy Trevojevic, he's going to score a million tries if healthy, if they're both healthy. Uh, he goal kicks. He kicked really well last year. I can't start with him again against Penrith. I just can't do it at that price. I'd rather mm. Toa, who has that massive, massive base. But... He'd be one of my first targets, probably Trevojevic and Garrick. If I could get them in within a week of each other as early as possible, hopefully the price drop, I'll feel very good about my side. They're the kind of boys that could just get you a massive score just with two of them. Captain Tommy and Garrick in your centres, they could score about 550 points between the two of them. So won't be starting with Garrick or Turbo at this stage, but I really like I really like them as targets ASAP after from round three onwards. Uh, and on Saab, it's a good point, that, because he was horrific without Turbo. I think a few single-digit scores early last season, uh, which which opens up value, as we know. So, again, if he can score lowish against Penrith, potentially, in that round one Thursday night match, then, yeah, look, he could be pretty cheap come round three or four. Uh, obviously, round three price changes, but four or five. If you get him for a 380, 400K and lock him in for the year, Cherry's going to feed him some good footy. I'll give you the tip. Yeah, and he's the definition of that guy that you, you pick and play based on a matchup each week. At mid-400K, it's a little bit harder to do that from round one. So if you're paying that much for someone, you want to pay them. But just a one to look for down the line for me. Hey, whilst Homole Olakatu, 512K, second row forward. 
he has piqued my interest, mate. I, the back row is stacked with really good options. So he started off the bench last year, eventually became a starter from sort of that early to mid-season. He averaged 67 points per game across his final 12 games of the year where he played 70-plus minutes each week. Uh, he'll be an 80-minute player, uh, I believe so. Scored eight tries in that back end of the season. But, mate, he's a very good footballer playing in a very good football team. 37 in base, not great, but that's pro- uh, not off maximal minutes. I don't mind him at 512K. Will I start with him uh, with that tough draw? Probably not, but I, I really don't mind him. Yeah, he's a player that you definitely should be in your watch list um, for those people that do the watch lists uh, because at some stage throughout the year, I think he's really going to spark up. I mean, like, he looked really, really good in that trial match. Um, just his footwork, his offload ability. You can tell he's played, uh, you know, basketball or volleyball or whatever it was, you know, when before he, you know, got right into his rugby league. But... He's just got a great skill set. Um, and uh, what I like about him is he's a player that's on the way up. Um, I think he, I think he's going to get better. He's been good, but he's going to get better. So I think he's got potential yeah. to be a value proposition. But it's probably the other um, the other second row position, boys. Like what's happening with Schuster? I'm not 100% sure. I think he's out for a few weeks. But uh, no sign of my boy Andrew Davey. But I was hoping <laughs> he would get a start. Uh, maybe you get a start in this this next trial. I haven't looked at the team list, but obviously Carl Lawton's a you know probably a consideration for some too. Yeah, three forty six k Carl Lawton. We know we all like Davey on here. Whilst you love him, back your opinion till the cows come home. Interesting ones. Minutes will be the big watch, as you said. That Schuster injury, you know, he's looking. It's a bit rough at the moment, but I think it was sort of four to six weeks from a couple of weeks back. So maybe sort of round four-ish return. I think Spy will have all that knowledge in the back of his head, but it makes them tough ones to start with. A game with that draw, a question mark over minutes, but at their respective prices by Lawton and and Davey, they'll be worth a look, won't they? If we sort of get word, um, we'll be following NRL Physio as we always do on what he has to say about Schuster leading into round one and the news to come out, but they'll be worth a look. Oh, 100%. Um, my worry is Schuster could be back around three or four. I have to double-check the latest from, from mm. Physio because uh, I just said he'll know. But if he comes back around four, uh, for example, what's that one price rise? You'll probably get some good points out of him, though. So he's got to weigh that up as well. But it's a tricky one, isn't it? Uh, you, want the, you want the money early on, don't you, mate? Like a, a couple of potential early round points. If he's back around four, they're just – I don't think it's there, is it? Yeah, if we knew it was round six with like three mm. price rises or t- even two, maybe. But I'm wary. As simple as that. I'm I'm wary. Uh, we'll just see how the teams are and get the latest update for round one, and we'll make a call then on on that week's pod. But yeah, I'm wary at this stage, though. There is potential value, of course. Boys, Parramatta Eels start the season. Titans, Sharks, Storm, Dragons, Titans again. Really, really nice draw. Um, probably one of the best of the season. The Spy's done a really good fixture analysis for the early stages of the season on site. Jump on and have a look at that. Uh, speaking of cheapies, unfortunately, Pirate Hayes, Dunstar, ACL. I think he did about every ligament in your knee that you have there um, in the preseason trials. Real shame for the young fella. It may, from a super coach perspective, open a door for someone like Sean Russell, also in cheapy range. 
um, a guy to consider and keep a watch on. Again, this is completely round one teams pendant. Um, there's a few people up for grabs there in that spot. Mike Acevo, obviously, out till mid-season. Will Penasini looks to have hopefully locked in a centre role. The injury to Dunst isn't going to hurt that too much. Um, I don't think we really need to speak too much more about that. I think if Penasini and Russell are there round one, you, you've pretty well got to have them guys. Spy, and I'll throw to you after whilst we've spoken about Reid Marnie, but what about with that nice draw? There's question marks in the halves round. Cody Walker's draw. Cam Munster doesn't play round one. Uh, uh, Nathan Cleary might not play round one. Spy, what about Dylan Brown and Mitch Moses? Uh, before I get to those two, just quickly on Panasini, really good base for a young fellow last year. So I think he's a good player in his 17 early, as well as being a moneymaker. So that's good to know. Uh, I've been a fan of him since the first time I saw him trial about 18 months ago, or 12 months ago, it might have been. Um, on to Brown. He's certainly cheap, isn't he? Uh, I think I might want to see more out of him and see how his season and how his, how his role's playing before I put him in my side. But... We know he's got an excellent base. I think Mitch Moses just does just too much stuff for him. Uh, now that he's changed edges, uh, Mitchell finished sets. He gets his, his repeat sets, his trices from kicking the ball, he goal kicks. I think he steals a lot of Brown's points, to be honest. Mm. Uh, and on Mitch, his, his points are really good. Uh, the stat the other day on Twitter there, I don't know who it was from, but his numbers against bottom eight sides last year and sides below the Eels were really, really good. So with question marks around the halves, and if Cleary's not healthy, uh, he's certainly someone you have to consider. And let's not forget how well he played in the finals last year. Uh, as good as footy I've seen him play in his whole career, he's running the ball well. So, yeah, I certainly he's right in the mix, Mitchie Moses, uh, pending Cleary's fitness for me. Whilst you've always had a bit of a soft spot for these two, I, well, I should say Dylan Brown. I think we all, everyone has a soft spot for Dylan Brown. Probably didn't deliver the season we'd hoped for last year. Are those guys potentially on your radar with those issues around the halves? Yeah, they are. I've really, um, geez, I had a look at the uh, Eels draw after reading the Spies article. It is, it's a soft draw, you know what I mean? Like there's every chance the Eels could be leading the competition after six or seven rounds and then I think maybe maybe six, maybe eight rounds it gets a little bit harder for them. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say before everyone's played what they're going to be like, but they looked really sharp, you know, in, in that trial match. So, yeah, Mitch Moses has been a player that I've tended to avoid. But like Spy said, if he starts running the ball, if he starts squaring up and running the ball, he just runs a little bit sideways and that's been his problem. But... In the final series, he did that somewhat. So if he can do that, you know, I reckon his scores will rocket up there, particularly against the you know the opposition that he's playing. Um, and yeah, Dylan Brown, I'm a little bit put off by how poorly he played last year. I thought him and Munster had really poor years for their potential. But in saying that, if you believe he can bounce back with a softer draw, um, yeah, he he might be a proposition. Dylan Brown's not really a draw-dependent supercoach player, if that makes sense. He's a bit like Munster. It doesn't mm. really matter who you put in front of him. It's just how he's feeling on the day and how, is he, how he's going. He can he can put on a ton against, like, a Penrith or a Melbourne but, and then go out and get 20 against, you know, like a Titans or something. Yeah, boys, which leads me to my next couple. Another very interesting pairing. <clears throat> Isaiah Papali and Ryan Madison. So... <clears throat> Another te- uh, massive round one team list watch because Madison is a guy at a tick under 600K that I think is undervalued to start the season, provided he's getting the minutes. 
uh, and he's in about eight or nine percent of teams, which I think is really low. The issue is that we're seeing, I think, the word Nathan Brown potentially missing early rounds. We'll get more information on that. Madison may be shifted into the middle. You know, maybe plays a sixty-minute role. Only, only sort of questions that round one team this will probably answer. Even then, we may not know for sure. We've seen Madison named on an edge, push into the middle at times in the past, even last season. There's the concussion issue. But if Madison's named on the edge, even if he's named in the middle, pending bench makeup, I'm so keen on Madison. Isaiah Papali'i, I'm going to find it while I'm talking to you boys, but he'd be in a minuscule amount of teams as well. He is going to be top dollar. Spy, interested in either of those pair. Uh, Papali probably not, and just until we see what his role will be. Again, he's leaving the club at the end of the year, which always concerns me a little bit. In saying that, Para's there to win the comp this year. Uh, they got a reasonable side, so I, I don't expect his minutes to be down or anything, but it does concern me a little. He's coming off a career year. Maybe he's sort of priced at max, so I won't start with Papali. Uh, Madison, you know what? I don't know if he fits the Spire squad's culture. Uh, <laughs> he, he did the runner on the Tigers. Uh, and on a more serious note, his concussions and his minutes were up and down last year. Add all three of those factors in, and I won't be starting with him, but I'll tell you how to fix your culture. It's to come out and bank out a couple of tonnes. He might come in real quick, but, yeah, I won't be starting with him. Yeah, super coaches will be pretty forgiving if you can do that to start the season. Uh, Ryan Madison is 5.6% ownership. I think this is probably having been named at lock or, or off the bench and that sort of thing in trials. It, it might be a bit concerning for people. Let's scroll down. Isaiah Papali'i, don't even know if I can find him. Uh, whilst, what's your take on that pairing and, and either that would catch your eye or you're, you're sort of in the negative boat like Spy? Yeah, there's been years where, hey, you boys that know, I've been massive like Maddo first-person picked. I think that might have been last year. I said he'd be my first-person picked. Uh, I'm not overly high on him this year um, just because the way that they – sort of mucked around a little bit with those edge back rolls and that last year and and that. But um, I, I couldn't have Papa Lee because I think last year was a career year and I can't see him getting better than that. I think he, like this, it's possible he'd come out and match it, but towards the end of the year they were taking him off the edge as well, which was strange, and they were playing him in the middle and where he was so effective and a try, the try scoring potential was on the edge. So, um from that point of view, maybe he could come out against the weaker opposition and, and carve up their edges. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I've not really looked at either of them. Uh, who do you think starts on the wing, boys? Like, obviously, Bailey Simonson, Simonson will start on one wing, but, you know, I've seen a few blokes tossed up to start on the other wing. It's a bit of a lottery. Like, um, one of them was Solomone Naduki. I've never seen him play. And then the other one was Sean Russell. So there might be some good cheapy opportunities there. Sean Russell got a couple of games last year and looked all right. So it shows he's semi in favour at the Eels under Brad Arthur. I think it'll be Sean Russell. But, mate, there's a lot can happen in the preseason. I think it's going to be a lot of people fighting for it. Um, yeah. As I, I, I'm, I won't go on about it too long, but... I just think at that ownership with Madison's upside, I think it could be undervalued. You both raised some pretty pretty relevant points, uh, issues around him. Uh, but if he's named to start, the way that bench goes, oh, I think he's a sneaky little one there, boys. But uh, just for me, uh, where are we up to now? Let's jump into a few questions. Then we'll go before we Yeah. Timo, I'm going to jump in here. You didn't mention him mainly on the soft draw, and if Pappenhausen's out, is Gutherson a play at all with that soft draw? Or the king. Not interested. Mm. Well, look, I'm just so 
it, it's a good question because if Pappenhausen isn't named, uh, we've spoken about it before, but Harry Grant will be my team no matter what. I want Munster in my team, but whether we start with two of those over like top dollar mm. guns, you're pushing it. You're not going to start with all three of them for people interested. So I guess Gutho has to come into the equation. And you, you sit there and say, you know, maybe not the ceiling or maybe not the consistency or whatever, but Gutho for a couple of years now keeps punching out good scores. He punches out big <coughs> scores and, and he's, he's worth a look. Uh, he obviously won't be kicking goals, but that's never worried him sort of too much in the past. We spoke about Ponga, who we we're all sort of a little bit keen on, but we want to see how the Knights roll out in round one and how that new spine gels, that tough draw. Whilst maybe Clint Gutherson? Yeah, I'm not that keen on Gutho. I never have been really, like, in terms of super coach. He has put, he has gone on some tears, though, so, like, I couldn't knock it for anyone just because of the softness of the draw. What do you boys think about Junior Paulo? I got burnt too bad by him last year. I bought, remember he started the year and scored a few tries, set him up, and was just killing it. His base was through the roof, and then he just hit the skids and dropped minutes, dropped output and all that. I I'm not, I haven't got him in the never again list, but G made him hard, hard to buy again. Yeah, fair enough. I, yeah, I actually don't mind him. I mean, just the way that uh, – this the, and I'm sort of rethinking Papa Lee, but I think he's too expensive. You know, he's 688000 so <clears> I couldn't – I don't think I could fit him into my team. But, um, yeah, just the way Reed Marnie was scheming and, and that, it just looks so ominous. And I could see that they're playing the Titans twice – I'm not. A, I think the Titans will be a pretty weak defensive side. So, what do you reckon, Spy? Just on Paul, I just had a quick look while you're chatting there, Walsy, and uh, he played the same amount of minutes last year as he did in 2020, and averaged eight less. Uh, I don't think, from memory, he offloaded as much as normal for the back end of last year, or maybe three quarters of it. So again, if he gets that license to offload and he's looking like doing it early, uh, he could be one to jump on. But gee, it's it's risky. It's risky to get him. But he's cheap, so that, that nullifies a lot of that risk. It's mm. definitely the key factor, though, you touched on there is does he have the license to offload? Like, is he allowed to go out like like a TPJ and just, you know, bang out three, four offloads, maybe five or six in a couple of games? Because, yeah, that would certainly pump up his super coach scores. Boys, let's jump into a few questions. First one from Andy Mack. Good man, Andy Mack. A bloke we... Somehow, I feel like we haven't spoken it too much uh, on the preseason podcast. I've had a look at, I don't mean Andy Mack either. I've had a look at a side with Brian Toto in it, and it looks good. Not a lot of upside, but you get what you pay for. Talk me out of it. Uh, boys, we've spoken about the need for chasing these sort of high ceiling players, um, the, how the games change, you know, the, the chasing the high ceiling center wings as opposed to maybe a top dollar front rower. I'm trying to get him into my team. I'm finding it difficult when I'm trying to get guys like David Fafida and Nathan Clearies and all these other blokes. But Spy, he certainly wouldn't look out of place. And 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 I suppose the question is, if you're paying for a premium centre wing, is it Brian Toto? Mate, I'd never talk anyone out of Toto. Um, I love him. His base is off the charts. I think I mentioned earlier in the year, but he's basically got the work rate of like a middle forward combined with that try scoring ability and tackle busts. Uh, he offloads as well. It's Pendrith, mate. I think the only question mark for me is, A, can you fit him in with the other guns? Uh, who do you prioritise? And B, do you want Garrick, who literally scored 199 in the last month of yeah. last year? Uh, and he his ceiling is through the roof and he goal kicks, but 
man, you want you want both of them as soon as possible, but that's not going to be easy, is it? So, look, I, I would never talk anyone out of it. There's a 100% chance at some stage in the next couple of weeks I'll sit down with my side and see if I can fit him in at all, uh, but it's tricky because I've got Cleary uh, and I don't think I can probably afford to start with both, but would love to. Alex Johnston's about 100k cheaper, but as we keep alluding to with the Bunnies, that damn early season draw. Andrew Somerville, this is a great question and, and one that hasn't come up. If you're going turbo, would you go with Pappy or Teddy as a better partner for him, assuming Pappy obviously plays round one? Walls? Well, you know, I think that's pretty, pretty easy one. It'd probably be Pappy because, you know, um, I think there's injury clouds over both of them, isn't it? I don't know. That's just what I'm reading and and um, and that. So yeah, I think you'd probably go with Pappy. I think I think Teddy's I think Teddy's pretty good to go. Uh, I think is he good to go? Okay, yeah. yeah pa- sure. Pappy's definitely under a bit more of a cloud plus the concussion risks. By yeah, I'm going to jump in there, Walsh, and respectfully disagree, my friend. Uh, and you know why? It's I need because... to be respectful, mate. <laughs> no, you're respectful, Walsh. Yeah, true. Uh, the reason is Pappy had that massive issues with his head last year. We don't know if he's back to his best yet. Uh, there's that injury cloud over him. So for me, this is the way I see it, right? Teddy, barring an injury, probably should score you between 80 and 100 points per game for that first month or so. That's the way I see it. Whereas Pappy could be... He could score you that 120, don't get me wrong, but he could also get a head knock early or he might not be back to his best. He could average less. I think there's risk involved with upside nonetheless, but I'd be Teddy there for sure just based on current information. Boys, Jeff Sims. Uh, I'll throw to you, Spy. It's a tough one because it, it takes a lot of analysis. I've definitely had a look into it. Do you think it's possible to have a decent starting team? Actually, I'll take the question. <clears throat> Jeff Sims, do you think it's possible to have a decent starting team if you start with Turbo and Cleary? Um, Wado, one of the good men in the Supercoach community, actually shot me a draft team, <clears throat> not Supercoach draft, one of his draft teams, with both of them in it. He made it work. It was obviously very speculative on cheapies, and there was a few guys in there that were pushing for round one. But provided the cheapie crop come round one, there, it is possible to have a decent starting team with Turbo and Cleary. And I actually looked at this team and I was sort of sitting there going, Jesus, I, I, I might have to start rethinking things a little bit. I'm not keen on it, but if the Chiefies drop round one, it can be done, yes. Boys, <clears throat> the Tigers, starting the season with games against the Storm, Knights, Warriors, Titans, Sharks. A, it's another really good draw. They get the Storm round one, thankfully, well, not thankfully because the Storm haven't lost round one in about 20 years. It's, it's, it's absurd. But no Brandon Smith, no Harry Grant, maybe no Ryan Pappenhausen, no Cameron Munster. So it's a severely weakened Storm outfit. Beautiful run to start the year. I did the analysis today. Not a heap of super coach interest, but there is super coach interest. Sean Bloor would have been a great cheapie for us to start the year, starting in the back row. Unfortunately, ACL gone for the season. The poor bugger, another one, a uh, victim of that one. Jackson Hastings <clears throat> is the big one. Walls, uh, in about 30-odd percent of teams at the moment, 350K. He's a 2019 Man of Steel, a.k.a. Dalian medal winner over in the Super League in England. I'm finding him a really tough one to gauge um, because – uh, we've seen a lot of NRL halves go over to the UK, struggling in the NRL, kill it in the UK, come back and still sort of be middling, struggling sort of halves. 
Hastings didn't get booted from the NRL because he was no good. It was for a few off-field relationships or related things. Makes him a hard one to judge. Is he in your team at the moment? Why, why not? He's not in my team, Timmy, but, you know, he's certainly like a player that I've written down for serious consideration. The hard thing, like, I can't put him in my team for exactly the reason that you said because we just don't know what he's going to deliver, you know. So, you know, when you're in that situation, you're more likely to go someone like an Ilias or, you know, even a Blake Taff, who I reckon's a good chance of maybe getting the halfback role after one game of fullback. So, yeah, I mean, I'm going to have a closer look at it. Hopefully he plays a trial this weekend and we can go from there, yeah. Just quickly before I get uh, Spy's thoughts on Hastings, I spoke about it on the podcast with the Guru last night, <clears throat> but I was in the same boat with, with Ilias and Taff that, you know, Taff would be a chance at winning that halfback role, having played so much halves coming through the ranks with a few good early performances. I get the feel that if they wanted to play TAFE, Taff, Taff in the – I need to sort that one out, that pronunciation. If they wanted to play him in the halves for round when Latrell Mitchell comes back, which is now round two, not round three, um, that they would have just started the season with Taff in the halves and they would have gone Alex Johnston at fullback. That's my take on it. What do you reckon, Miles? Would you would you agree, or do you think yeah, they that team? Yeah, well, yeah, like, well, we don't know, do we? Or has he has Demetrio come out and said he's definitely playing Ilias? We don't know. We don't know. I just surely two young blokes. If you wanted him to be your half going forward, you just start with him in the halves and don't switch him around. Um, anyway, yeah, we, I think the Warriors are. In the, yeah, they, they they've got the same predicament with fullback, and I think they're looking at playing, you know, Chanel Harris to Vita there, which probably yeah. It's the same sort of situation. Like, you know, they're not going to play him there and then move him up to 5'8 unless there's an injury. Yep. Obviously, Nick Arima's beaten him out for 5'8 or Ash Taylor or one or the other. But, yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, I just I haven't seen enough of Ilias, and I feel like Taff showed us that he's a quality player in that in that grand final, you know. Spy, do you have Hastings at the moment? Uh, just quickly on Ilias, I, on Twitter yesterday, there was some chat from the coaches that Ilias would be the half, so it sounds like he might be locked in. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that one. Uh, Jackson Hastings, he's actually he was in my team reveal as a, as a 5'8 alongside Munster, just depending on how my team went. Uh, I'm starting to, to balk on that a little bit. I did find some super lead stats late this afternoon. It had everything outside of line break assists and repeat sets. So I'm going to knock up a profile as soon as I'm feeling better over the weekend and let's get those numbers. From what I saw today, he only averaged about 41 last year. Add in some line break assists and repeat sets, maybe that's high 40s, but that's not enough if that's the case. But, mate, and these with the Tigers, I mean, they've got they've got Dewey out. Maybe he goal kicks, um, which would be huge because <laughs> they're a very good goal kicker. Uh, that could boost it by another six to ten points. Um, I don't know if he has the upside there at the moment, but maybe he plugs a gap for a while and gets the job done. But I'm going to get right back to everyone with that. I'm going to do a deep dive into those stats and see what numbers we come up with. Boys, <clears throat> David Nofaluma, 467K. My gut feel is that you're both going to tell him the same thing here, and it's going to be a huge watch on the Tigers, not on David Nofaluma, because we know he's... he's probably undoubtedly the best centre wing of the past five, six years consistently. Regressed big time last year. He still scored tries, 13 in 24 games. Base dropped from 31 to 26. He didn't 
they didn't utilize him as well as they could have. I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Spy, but I think he switched edges for a while there and just got no decent ball in attacking opportunities. Um, boys, he's very cheap for what he knows he's capable of. He, a couple of seasons, his last two seasons before last, averaged 76 and 65. He's very cheap. He's got good base, not great last year. Um, Spy, any interest there on, on Noffa to start the year? Definite interest, but won't be starting with him. Uh, there's just too many question marks after last year of what his role is going to be, how many times he's going to touch the footy, how many tries he's going to score with Dewey out. Uh, so it's a no from me, but I tell you what, if his work rate's up and he's hungry like the previous two years and they're getting him decent footy, uh, it come right into calculations pretty quickly. Whilst Stefano Utakamanu is another one that I'm on the fence with, he's not in my team at the moment. I don't think he will be, but he is in that. 29% of teams. Yeah, 457K, even average of 52 last year. He's caught Supercoach's eye off the back of his last eight games of the season. Started at prop, averaged 56 minutes for 66 points with 48 in base. Good numbers. He scored three tries in that period, but he's a big boy. He's got good, he's pretty light on his feet for his size. Tries will come. He's a very good footballer. I think he'll be named to start. I don't see why he shouldn't get sort of 55 minutes of game time based on, you know, there's a bit of depth in the pack at the Tigers, but is he a guy you're keen on? I wouldn't say keen on, but I'd say interested in definitely. Like he's definitely in that short list of players that I'm considering for, you know, front row forwards. So it's a bit like all the other Tigers. There's a bit of a question mark over him. I mean, I only wrote down three Tigers that I'm really, really – considering putting in my side, and that was Udo, um, Hastings, and young Kelma Tuolagi. But that's dependent on him getting a start. He played pretty well in the trial, but I imagine that Garner will come back into that spot. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're not a side that I'm overly high on. And and uh, on top of that, I'm not overly high on anyone from that side, you know, having a really good super coach season. So... Um, it might be a bit of a wait and watch and see, I think. Yeah, I'm in the same boat, but I find it very hard to go among any of the Tigers. Hastings at the price, he's, he's going to be he's going to be my big question going into round one, and I think he will be for a lot of us. <clears throat> Guys, if you like a punt, head to topsport.com.au, home of the best same-game multi in the business. Uh, I'm not just saying that. It's an absolute belter. When these footy games, well, the footy games have already kicked off. We've even got the Charity Shield this weekend. Punching the same game mould, compare it to another side, uh, the odds stack up. We'll be previewing their markets throughout the season. Once again, had a good profit last year, so hopefully we can replicate that one. If you are linking up, use the code SC Playbook, 18 plus only, gamble responsibly. Boys, let's wrap it up with a few quick questions. Whilst this one is most definitely for you, from Matty Broom, SC Playbook, Big Bash contributor, weapon NRL supercoach as well, just a weapon all around, Matty Broom. Thoughts on Rocco Berry at 322k starting round one. A nice opening draw for the Warriors. What do you reckon? Yeah, I don't mind it, actually. Yeah, I think, like, if you look at the Warriors' back line, he's certainly one that you're considering. I don't think either of the wingers are really a consideration. Um, I don't know what March, Marcello Montoya is going at. I think he'll score a fair few tries this year, but I certainly think that, yeah, Rocco Berry's probably the pick of the bunch if you wanted to go a Warriors, uh, Warriors backline player early in the season, yeah. Well, so if you start considering Marcello Montoya for your team, which I know you will come round one, you can start waving the white <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Spy, actually, before I move on, on Rocco Berry, 
Um, is his game, do you think, suited to, to Supercoach point scoring? <clears throat> That's for you, Wiles. Oh, sorry, mate. Yeah, no, I um, I think it is, actually, um, if that was part of Matty's question. That was um, my I question. Think, yeah, okay, that was yours, Timmy. Yeah, good question. No, Thanks, I, I think mate. it is. I think it definitely is. Yeah, I, I think I think um, he's got a game that is suited to it. And I heard a bit of uh, uh, like a bit of an interview with Justin Morgan, the assistant coach for the Warriors, and he talked about his upside and how much potential he's got and the possibility and like the player that he likened him to. And he, and he did temper. He did say like you know he's nowhere near that level, but he said he's a Joey Manu type player that could go and possibly in the future go and play. For, you know, five eight and play fullback if needed. So Jeez. I think he's got a lot more than we've seen. Yeah, yeah, right. And that's the thing we need to consider. <clears throat> and people fall into the trap of every single season, myself included. Who doesn't? Particularly at the centre wings, just because they're in cheapy range and they're two eighty k or three hundred k, and they've got a locked in eighty minute role. It doesn't mean they're going to score well. Cheap doesn't equate to earning money for you. And that we've got to assess whether or not a probably they're in a good team. Are they going to get point scoring opportunities? And B, is their game conducive to Supercoach scoring? <clears throat> Spy, question from Jacko Fall. Thoughts on the Titans hooking scenario? Looking to save dollars at hooker until round four or five, then bring in Grant. Aaron Clark looked good last year. Mitchie Rain's gone. Will Smith likely at 14th man, uh, more of a utility cover. At 300K, looks likely to bump up to 50 minutes and only Boyd, Tana Boyd as competition. Am I missing something? And I'll add to this question. Let's say it does get more than 50 minutes. It might happen. Um, would he, is he a guy you'd consider or a guy you'd want to sit back and watch for? <clears throat> well, he got 44 minutes a game last year and averaged 34, Aaron Clark. Uh, it was about Clark, wasn't it, the question? Um, uh, he did come off the bench a bit. I, I just think I'd be sitting back and watching with the Titans because we don't know what they're going to do. I'd hate to start with someone and then have to trade them straight away and waste that trade. So... Look, it could come off, and I must admit I haven't looked deeply into it, um, but uh, it won't be on my radar as such. Walsh, potentially Aaron Clark? I actually don't mind it as a left-field shout. Um, he's one that I've actually looked at because but more more of the fact is, like, you know, if Teamless Tuesday comes out and they don't play a, 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 a <laughs> reserve dummy half, you know, like there are, I guess you've got Will Smith and he's, he's going to come on, but... You know, like how much time is he going to get out of dummy half, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah, I guess I'm talking myself out of it now. I think of Will Smith because he probably will get 30 to 40 minutes. You'd need him to – you'd need Aaron Clark to get 55-plus, I think, to consider it. 65, yeah. I reckon. Yeah. 65, yeah, right? Yeah, that's fair. We, we It is a – we've been probably blessed in the past, and it's a great position for super great sport scoring that, that – 250 to 400k starting hooker who's who moves into a role of bigger minutes each season or in the new season uh, we've seen plenty of guys do it in past years i think even reed marnie last year or two he went into a bigger minute role and a few of them it's just such a good point scoring position they make a stack of tackles they can get some easy attacking stats particularly in good teams uh, so maybe aaron clark's the guy for this year we'll know more in a couple of weeks as trials pan out and we see round one teams boys Let's wrap that up one for tonight. Big as always. Walson, thank you very much, mate. Hey, thanks, boys. Enjoyed it. Inspire your Jordan-esque flu pod. Not far off it. Yeah, cheers, boys. There's no big big fourth quarter finish uh, t- to sort of get the job done because we'd bind the, bind the score out by then, but uh, we'll get through <laughs> it anyway. And uh, it'd be good to chat next week. All right. Cheers, guys. Thanks for tuning in.